Masechet Yoma, Daf 74. We have three topics today. The first one is linguistic. The word Asur in the Mishnah. Why does it say the word Asur regarding the five Inuyim uh, when uh, it should say Chayav? Uh, since uh, at least for eating and drinking, uh, a person uh, is Chayav Karet. So usually Asur means Patur about Asur. And uh, we saw already one answer, which is just talking about Chatzishiur. We're going to see another answer as to the Asur is talking about the other four. Um, then uh, we'll see the reasons for half shiur, according to the one who says it's not allowed, why is half a shiur not allowed, or, or why is it permitted? If it is permitted, that's machloket, the Yochanan and Eshakish. And the third part, we'll talk about how about other ways to suffer? There's not only five ways to suffer, you could think of other things like sitting in the sun and getting very hot. So how come you don't make people uh, suffer? And we'll see four different responses why those don't count, or rather only eating and drinking and the, and the rest that are, um, that's the main one, and the rest that are on the list. Okay, so we begin with uh, just reminding ourselves. The Mishnah said, here, Yom HaKippurim Asur and the rest of them. And so why not say Chayav? Uh, so our, our first, uh, the, the, the real answer, which is the second answer, is much simpler, uh, is that the word Asur is going on the other four. So only someone who eats and drinks uh, would be Chayav Karet. Uh, the other four are not, not chayav karet. They're patur of al-asur. They're prohibited mid-oraita. I mean, you can tell that because we do learn it from a drasha. So I think that's the original tenetic opinion. Uh, but since there's no prohibition, it does make sense. It does make sense to say the word asur for the whole group because of those four. But anyway, that'll be the second answer. We don't know that right now. So the first answer is it's saying asur because we're talking about chatsi um, shiur, which is anything less than a full shiur. Um, if you eat uh, less than a date size of uh, food, then it's not it's not allowed, but there's no punishment. And so for that, it says asur. Okay, so now we mentioned, that makes sense according to the Biochanan, because the Biochanan is of the opinion that chasi shiur asur min ha-Torah. However, Resh Lakish thinks that chasi shiur is allowed from the Torah. It's very interesting, machloket. I mean, it applies to the whole Torah everywhere. Uh, so chasishi or would be then permitted from uh, according to the Torah. Um, so we answer Muresh Lakish um, would, would, could, can agree that's still asur midrabanan. Uh, so that's sufficient. The Mishnah says that these five in uh, five inuim are asur eating and drinking is called asur because even a chasishi or is still asur midrabanan. That's why Yes says the word asur. But in fact, if you ate more than that, it would be, in fact, Hayav. Okay, so now we ask a question on the Shakish. If, in fact, you think that Chasishi is a Sumit Rabbanan, then it's a problem. I mean, if, if we think that, if we use that as an answer, then it's going to be a contradiction with another source. The following source uh, seems to suggest that, appointed as Shakish, Asishior is not asur, not even with Rabana. Let's see what the case is. Interesting case. Alamatenan. Shevoa Shelo Ochal Veachal Nebelot Utrefot Shekashi Shekasim Urmasim Chayav Verebishim on Poter. If someone makes a swear and says, I'm not going to eat, um, and then he eats things that are not allowed to eat. Right, things that are uh, something that wasn't slaughtered, something an animal that was going to die anyway, creepy crawlies, frogs, you know, insects, all things like that. And nevertheless, their person is chayav. Chayav 
twice, right? First of all, let's say he eats a frog. So number one, because it's not kosher, and number two, because he swore that he's not going to eat, and now he ate. And Rabbi Shimon says patur. Now we understand the opinion of Rabbi Shimon because we have a general rule that and isur hal alisur. If something is already prohibited, it can't be doubly prohibited. If I swear I'm not going to eat this sandwich, so then that's one swear. I can't have another swear that I'm not going to eat it. Now, anything that's a sudman in the Torah, we call that right? We agreed on Har Sinai, we all said na So we already swore that we're not going to eat things that are not kosher. So therefore, if I come now and say, I'm not going to eat uh, a lobster, so then that swear does not apply. And if I do eat lobster, I have only one, the Torah prohibition, and not the extra prohibition. So we understand that. The question is, the Tanakh Kamau says, Chayav, why? When we discussed that Mishnah, we asked, why, uh, Am I Chayav? According to Tanakh Kamau, why Chayav? Since it's already prohibited, therefore the second swear, my swear now, should not apply. By the way, this is a very interesting uh, uh, concept that we are obligated to the Torah because we swore, we agreed to it. Um, in general, you know, there's other midrashim that say we were forced, like the mountain was held on top of us, and so we had no choice uh, in the matter. And that's one, that's one, uh, uh, one pathway, uh, one group of midrashim. But a whole other group uh, says that it was voluntary, right? God said, "Do you want to do it?" And we said, "Yes." So it's because we accepted upon the, upon ourselves. So really, the entire Torah is obligatory as a as a swear. Okay, so that is actually very interesting. Okay, so now what's the answer to that? So here we're gonna have two answers. We're talking about a case where he includes things that are allowed together with things that are not allowed. For example, if I make a swear, I say, I'm not gonna eat anything in the, re in the restaurant Red Lobster. If I go in there and I have a tomato, well, tomato's kosher, right? but I made a swear. So since the swear does apply to eating the tomato, therefore it does apply to everything. And therefore, if I go in there and eat a lobster, I'm gonna be chayav twice uh, for the Torah prohibition, and then another one for the swear. So that's uh, the opinion of Rav Shemuel and Rabbi Yochanan. That's how they explain the Mishnah. But there's another way of explaining the Mishnah. Uh, uh, okay, the says, no, the case, I don't agree with you that if you include things that are permitted within uh, things that are not allowed, then it applies. Resh Lakish has a different answer. And he says, when you say in your swear, I'm not gonna eat anything, not even chatsi shi'ur. If you say not that, then it applies because according to the Torah, only eating a, a shi'ur of lobster would not be allowed. And then if I say, I'm not gonna eat anything, not even a chatsi shi'ur of lobster, so then, it, it, then it's more expansive, so it applies in that case. So um, that subcase could be in two ways, either according to Rabbanan. Rabbanan elsewhere in Shiva would say that if I make a regular uh, 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 swear, I say, I'm not gonna eat carbs, then that only applies to a shi'ur of carbs. Um, and so therefore I have to specify if I'm making a swear that, you know, I'm not gonna eat even a chatsi shi'ur of carbs. Um, or it could be according to Bi Akiva, even if I don't add any stipulation, because if according to Bi Akiva, if someone makes a swear, then we assume it means even a tiny bit. I said, I'm not going to eat carbs, even one bite of carbs, I'm not going to have. 
Okay, so either way, whether I have to specify it or I don't have to specify it, uh, is uh, would be subject to that machloket. But the point for us is that according to the Shlakish, you see here that Tasishi'ur from the Torah level is permitted. And that's why, because the Torah permits Chasishi'ur, that's why if I make a swear and I say, oh, I'm even a Chasishi'ur is not going to be allowed, it does apply because it wasn't prohibited before. So now we have a contradiction, right? To summarize our question between two sources. Beforehand, we said, Resh Lakish says, um, and that's how we explained our Mishnah, why he says Asur. And according to this, this Resh Lakish's explanation of Shemot, it looks like Chasishiur is mutar, totally mutar, not even the Rabbanan. Okay, so that's, uh, that's, uh, we, that's our question. Now, here's a possible answer. Maybe you'll say, yeah, really, it's a sword eating that uh, even a chassish or a lobster is a sword midrabanan. Nevertheless, the prohibit, the shivua can still apply to it because since the level before was only drabanan, the shivua will apply a higher level to a drabanan. So that's the idea. Yeah, if it's doraita, then the shivua cannot come and uh, add something to a doraita. It's superfluous. But it's rabbanan, maybe a cat can add to it. And that would explain uh, both sources. But this doesn't work because of the following. There's something called shivata edut. That means if someone uh, witnessed a crime and they come into court and they say, I didn't see anything. And they swear, and they swear, they say, they say, I have nothing to say, I have no testimony, and they're lying. So then that, those, those person are liable for that lie. Um, now, this uh, liability for saying a false swear that I have no testimony does not apply to someone who, is not, who, who cannot testify in any case. Um, so, for example, a woman uh, cannot be a, a, a witness, and therefore, if she would... Um, uh, she doesn't need to testify, she can't testify. Uh, or other cases, who would this exclude? It would exclude a king. A king also cannot testify. Um, it's beneath the king's dignity to have to go into a courthouse and have to stand up. And right? he's, uh, he's beyond that. So if, even if a king uh, sees a crime, the king cannot testify. Therefore, if the king would swear and say, I didn't see anything, he would not be liable for that lie. Um, okay, that's one example. And another one, it also comes to exclude um, a gambler. Literally, kubia comes from the say, Greek word cube, same as English word cube, uh, meaning someone that plays with dice. Uh, that just mean playing tole. It means uh, someone who uh, gambles. Usually, here's an here's actual uh, op- uh, a painting from uh, ancient Pompeii. Uh, you see that people here are playing dice and gambling. So a gambler cannot testify. So, and uh, now here's going to be the essence of our proof. Really, according to Torah, a person who gambles can be a, can be a witness. And it's the rabbis, they came and said, no, gamblers can't be trusted. Uh, why can't gamblers uh, testify? There's really two, two explanations. One is because they're thieves. When people uh, gamble, generally they think they're going to win. So when uh, if if they if they lose, they they feel like, oh, you took my money, you stole my money. They really didn't relinquish that that money uh, willingly. So therefore, anyone who at least anyone who wins in gambling 
uh, would be a thief. Uh, the other reason is because gamblers, they're not doing anything productive in their lives. And not for the world, they're not, not holding a job. I mean, this would be a difference. You know, let's say someone does have a regular job, but they just gamble a little bit on the weekend. Um, then this wouldn't, uh, this would not apply according to that reason. Um, but so anyway, um, since uh, for sure, according to the second reason, um, the whole prohibition is only the rabbi. The rabbi said, we can't trust gamblers. They don't know the value of money. More likely that they would come and testify falsely. Uh, so, but yet that's only the rabbanan. And yet we say that the shivua, if a gambler would come and say, if the gambler sees a crime and nevertheless swears and says, I didn't see it, they are um, they are not liable. Um, and so, even though it's only the rabbanan, and yet the shivua will not apply to that person, even though they are only pasul mid rabbanan. So what you see from here is that in the previous case, also when um, you're talking about I said, I'm not going to eat lobster, even a chassishiur, but the lobster was already so really it should not apply to the other one. So you can't tell me if that shivua uh, does not apply to the Rabbanan, um, that a shivua would apply to the Rabbanan, because you see in this case that shivua does not apply to the Rabbanan. So that, therefore, we still ask the question on Resh Lakish, and our answer is Shane Hatamda Markera Im Lo Yagid Hu Kelal. The pasuk regarding uh, that shivua of Edut, the pasuk full pasuk says Nefesh Kite Chatav Shamakol Allah Hu Ed Ora Oyada Im Lo Yagid Venasalvono. If a person does not give information and he has information, he's subject to punishment. So since it says in lo yagid, that means for any reason, if for any reason he cannot give the testimony, uh, he is exempt from this, from liability, even if it's only midrabanan. So if this is an exception uh, that applies to this case that the uh, the shivwa does not apply, even though the problem is only midrabanan, but this could act as a good answer previously that Resh uh, Lakish, let's summarize, Resh Lakish says that Chasishiur is asur, in fact, midrabanan. Um, and that's why in our Mishnah it says asur, because it's talking, it's uh, assuming a case of chasishiur, eating chasishiur Ram Kippur, and that would be asur. That's why it says the word asur. And there's no problem with the other case of shivua, because in that case, when he said, I swear I'm not going to eat even a little bit, um, that swear would still apply, even though it was only because it was only a sumitrabanan, and the shivwa is a higher level. He is, in fact, adding a prohibition to something that was there before. Okay, good. So that explains the half shiur. Now we're going to get to the second answer. Um, why it says the word asur? So first of all, we say asur. We assumed when we started this gemara that if something is anush karet then you wouldn't use the word asur. You have to say the word chayav. But is that true? Here's a b'raita that uses the word asur, even though it's clearly talking about a case of karet. Even though we said in the Mishnah, this is a b'raita that's commenting on our, our, our own Mishnah, even though it says the word asur for all of them, the truth is that karet only applies to eating and drinking and during work on Yom Kippur. All the other ones, if someone would wear shoes on Yom Kippur, even on purpose, that would not be karet. Um, so you see in this b'raita, it says the word as, it says the word asur, even though it's talking about something that's anush karet. 
So um, maybe the word Asur can, in fact, be talking about something that, that's Anush Karet. And we say, no, this is the way to interpret this Baita. We're inserting, really doesn't say this, but we're inserting. Asur is talking about a case of half a shiur, if you eat. Aval kishiur anush karet, but if you eat a full shiur, then it would be karet. Afapish anush karet and anush karet ella ochel veshotev veosem elachabil bad. But that case of anush karet only applies to eating and drinking and doing work. Okay, so according to this, this just is a further explanation of the first answer that the word asur in the Mishnah is assuming a case of chasi shiur. But here is the second answer, which is much simpler and shorter, and I think is the pashat of the Mishnah. The word asur is going on the other four, right? Those are the ones that are asur. You can't say chayav because chayav doesn't apply to the other four. So you say asur, even though it's not completely accurate for the first one. Of course, we couldn't get to this answer until we introduced this concept here that only, only eating and drinking is asur karet, not the other ones. Um, anyway, how do we know this? Because Rabban and Rav Yosef, they have a braita that comes from the Midrash. Um, midrash, the Midrash on, uh, uh, from the times of the Tanaim, we call Sifred de Verab. Nowadays, we use Sifred to refer to the Midrash on Bemidbar and Devarim. Um, when we talk about Vaikra, we call that Sifra, at Sifred. Sifred is plural, Sifra means Hasefet. The Mizrash, maybe because it was learned first. Any case, and, and in this case, even though it's talking about Baikra, and this is found in the Sifra, it still calls Sifre de Verab. It means that the word Sifre in, uh, in, in, uh, in this terminology can refer to any of the Midrashim on any of the books. Okay, anyway, what does it say in the Midrash? What's the source? How do we know the Kippur? You have these five Shabbaton. Shavuot, because um, in fact, Yom Kippur is called a Shabbaton. Now, the word Shabbaton also appears regarding Shabbat. Um, and when it talks about it on Shabbat, we learn from that the, the rules of Shavuot. On Shabbat, there's two categories of prohibition. One is the 39 Melachot, that if you do, you're li one is liable. And then, but there's another category of Shavuot, which is like climbing a tree, riding a horse, uh, sw swimming or floating. These are things that are not actually creating anything. They're not technically one of the 39, but they're because they're not restful activities. Now the Sifra actually learns it from that word Shabbaton. Another Midrash learns it from Kol Malacha. Either way, you see that originally, I think these are Asur Midoraita, but they're not, since they're not one of the 39 Malachot, there's no punishment. Okay, now we're gonna have an analogy. Just like uh, regarding Shabbat, there's two categories, things that are and have a punishment and other things that are Shabbat and don't. So too on Yom Kippur, which is also, where it also says the word Shabbaton. Um, it also says the word Shabbaton. Um, we say that the, there's two categories of, of Inuyim on Yom Kippur. One of them has to do with eating and drinking. That one is punishable. But there's another category where it's not punishable. So what, how would that, what would that apply to? That applies to the other four things. So this is a very interesting analogy. Um, I, I think that the Peshat of this Midrash is that the other four items are still a Surmideoraita, even though there's no punishment. Um, although this is a Machloket Rishonim, 
But uh, I would assume that anytime in the Midrash, original Midrash, it does learn it from Pasuk, unless it says otherwise, um, it looks like that would be a Deoraita. Okay, um, good. So that concludes A. And now we're going to go back to this question of half shiur and give the reasons for them. So Gufa, we go back. Hasi shiur. So Rebiochanan's reasoning is, since if I eat a little bit, you know, a third of an ounce, and then another third of an ounce, eventually I'll get to a full ounce. So since it can be combined, so I have to say it's a min ha-Torah. Um, the idea behind this is that if you would say it's permitted from the Torah, then how would it work? Let's say I have half a shiur. Oh, it's permitted. Then I have another half a shiur. Well, this is permitted too, right? I mean, so how does it add up if the Torah doesn't consider it anything at all? Therefore, it makes more sense to say even half a shiur is a sumin ha-Torah, nope, no punishment until you get to a full shiur. That's the Biochanan's uh, reasoning. It's permitted according to the Torah. Why? Torah says, do not eat. For example, it says, do not eat chelem. Do not eat blood. Eating has to be an act of eating. It's not called eating if you just take one little bite, right? It's, not a, it's, it's only called an act of eating when you have a kezayit. And so that makes sense. Okay, so that's their, um, that's their reasoning. Now, question on the Shakish who said, in general, you have in the Torah to say something twice in order for it, for it to be punishable. Um, and uh, right, it has to give you a warning and then also give you a punishment. And so Rabbi Yochanan says, I know that anything that has an onish, there is also include azhara. In other words, if there's a punishment, then for sure it's also prohibited. Azhara would just be prohibited. If you only had azhara, be prohibited, but there's no, it wouldn't be a, a, a punishment. So, koi, so now here's the question. Koi, koi is an animal that is, uh, we're not sure what it is. Is it a behema or is it a haya? It's some, somewhere in between. Uh, there's different opinions about what a koi actually is. Some say it's a water buffalo. Some say it's this, a mouflon. I'm not sure what that is. Okay, well, whatever it is, it's some kind of mix between a wild and a, and a regular animal. Now, regarding chelib, fat, the prohibition of chelib only applies to behema, but does not apply to haya. So that would make a difference uh, between the two. So, he, so here's the thing. So koi, um, and also chasishiur, since they're not punishable, right? You don't get a punishment if you eat the fat of a koi or if you eat chasishiur. So I would think if there's no punishment, there's no prohibition either. Can it be that? Because that's true. The word regarding the prohibition of chaleb, the word kol comes to add at even uh, that of a koi and even chasi shiur is a suminat Torah. That's Rabbi Yochanan's proof that it's a suminat Torah. Look, I have a pasuk. The Midrash brought a pasuk for it. And so therefore, we should assume it's a suminat what are you going to say about that? You said chasishiur is permitted according to the Torah. So why would the Midrash quote a word for it from the Torah? So it looks like it is actually asur. Here's Rashakish's answer. Rashakish says, no, I think it's only asur mitra banan. And this asuk that the Midrash brings is only a support. It's a mnemonic. 
It's a way of giving it extra authority. Really, the rabbis said it. Uh, the rabbis said it, and they just connected it for more support to a pasuk. Okay, this is a very important concept. Um, if you look at every place in the, it says this in the Talmud Bavli, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, it, it never says it because the Midrash is outlandish, because it doesn't make sense. Here, it's a very straightforward Midrash. Kol, chelib. Kol is an inclusive word. He's not saying because it's not the Pashat, but rather it's the opposite. Because he says, he assumes already that Chassish is mutar min Torah and is confronted with a challenge. So since he thinks it's Midrash Banan, then that's why he says it's an Asmachta. Okay, later on in times of Rishonim, like Rambam, for example, uh, thinks that lots of things are asmachta or Pashtanim, say, if you ask them, it doesn't really mean that. They say, oh no, the old Midrashim, uh, a lot of them are, most of them are asmachta be'alma. Okay, but the, the, the Bavli, it's only used a few times and only because we already know that it's a Midrashim. Now, good, Resh Lakish uh, answered his question and not only is he gonna answer his question and say, this Midrash is asmachta, He's even going to bring a proof that it's an asmachta and it's the rabbanan. Hachinami mistabera makes sense. Tisa kadatach deoraita koi sefekahu isterich kerala to yesefeka. If in fact this midrash is deoraita, that the Torah is really coming to add the word kol in order to teach you that asishiur and koi is prohibited in the Torah, would that really make sense? A koi is something that we have a doubt about. We're not sure what species it is. Um, but does, does, does the Torah have a doubt? Does God have a doubt of what he is his creation, whether it's this way or not? No, the Torah would not have a doubt about it. So it wouldn't make any sense for the Torah to add a word about something that is a safek. And so since the word kol clearly is not Pashat, is not Torahita, therefore it makes sense for Chassishur also, this is only an Asmachta, but it's a rabbinic uh, uh, enactment that would say this is prohibited, not in the Torah. Okay, so that's the end. That's his proof. Now we're gonna this, we're gonna we're gonna take away the proof, but uh, Rosh Lakish is still gonna keep his answer. It's just he's not gonna have a furthermore. It makes sense. Now imishumha la No, if that's why you're saying it, it's not true. Because maybe koi is is actually a, its own species. Right, it's not that it's a safek. Is it an animal? Is it a behemah or is it a chaya? It could be a third species. It's like not non-binary, right? Um, and so if it's its own thing, so it needs its own category. If it's its own category, it needs a special pasuk to say call to include a koi, to include this koi. And in fact, we see in another place where that is in fact uh, said, the ilatemachi hadamarav idibar avin af kol leatuye koi. So he also says in a different uh, context that the word kol comes to include a koi. Koi sefeqa hu isterich kera l'rabuye sefeqa ela b'ryashane hachiname b'ryashane. So there also he says, wait, does the pasuk when the Torah needs to add a word kol to add something that's not known? Okay, we don't know, but the Torah knows. Rather, it's its own species. Over there, the context is talking about blood. Now, blood is prohibited no matter what, whether it's a behemah or a chaya. And yet it says call to say, yes, that's prohibited. Now I wouldn't need something prohibited because I wouldn't need an extra extra word there because whether it's a behema or chaya, I would know that his blood is not allowed. I would only need a pasuk if it's a third species altogether and this third species, I wouldn't know. That's why I need the word call to tell me that. So this is a very interesting. It's not a behema, not a chaya, it's a third thing. 
And so therefore, this Shakish does not have a proof that it's not smachta, but he could still say it is not smachta. Okay, excellent. And now we get to the third section, which is why did, why, how come the, the rabbis assume only these five enuyim? Why not other things? Um, we're going to give uh, four different answers to why we don't say other things. So here's the example. Since we have to make ourselves suffer, um, Torah says this in uh, five or six times. It says these words to make ourselves suffer on Yom Kippur. Um, so maybe you would say you have to go and sit in the sun and be very hot or sit in the shade and be cold uh, so that you'll, you'll, you'll afflict yourselves. Now we're comparing it to the rest of the Pasuk. The full Pasuk says, um, So since those are back to back, we say just like not doing work is passive, right? By, by being passive, you're not doing work. And that's the right way to do, uh, to act. So too, the sufferings that we have should be things that are passive, right? We don't put on shoes, we don't anoint ourselves, we don't eat. And if you're gonna say, you have to go in, in, into the sun, so that would be an active thing and it wouldn't be similar to melacha. Um, okay, so that's answer number one. Hold on, I can still find a way of being passive in, in this way. Maybe if he's already sitting in the sun, so, and it's very hot, we say, you have to stay in the sun. So that way it's passive, you're not doing anything, but you're still suffering by staying in the sun. Or the opposite, if you're in the shade and you're cold, so then we, we, we tell them, oh no, now you can't get up and, and, and leave. You have to stay in the cold and be suffering. And that would still be okay because it's passive. Literally, you're sitting and not doing anything. So we reject that and we say, no, just like Malacha, you don't distinguish between different subcases of them. So too with uh, with uh, suffering, you're not going to distinguish if you're if it if it's if it's going to be that you have to. And yes, yeah, true. In some cases, uh, you can just uh, sit uh, in the sun. But if you're going to apply it to all cases, in other cases, you're going to have to get up and sit in the sun. If you're going to say you have to be hot, right? So it has to be a, a way that you're always passive. And in this case, only half the time you'd be passive, half the time you wouldn't. Okay, so that's uh, all one answer. Now, Tanya Idach, Tanu et Nafshotechem, Yachol Yashebechama Besnevista, et Mudomar, Vechol Melacha, Lot Asu, Mamelacha, Dabasha, Hevin, a love of Komacher, Af inu Nefesh, Hevin, a love of Komacher, Bezeze, Zepigol, Venotar. Okay, so this is now a second answer. I'm going to show you. Well, the first one is that has to be passive. Another answer, how come we don't say being hot or being cold is one of the inuyim? We say there has to be something that's prohibited in another context. So we're also comparing suffering to not doing melacha, just like melacha is something that on another occasion, you also can't do melacha on Shabbat, right? So Yom Kippur then is similar to Shabbat um, in that you can't do melacha. So too, inui, suffering has to be something that is prohibited in another context in the context of eating things that are not kosher. So therefore eating makes sense because there are other cases where you can't eat things. Um, so what, what can't you eat? That would be chayav karet, tigul and notar, different kinds of uh, uh, sacrifices that are overdue or you had the wrong intention and those are prohibited. Now, this is a long midrash. It's gonna end up, uh, what the midrash is gonna end up saying is that 
we prohibit eating anything, uh, um, anything at all on Yom Kippur, but we're going to go and see each each different category. So I might think maybe Pigul and Notad, those are prohibited on Yom Kippur because they also have Karet when it's not Yom Kippur. And so I would think I'm only not allowed to eat these on Yom Kippur, which means if I ate it on Yom Kippur, I would be Hayav twice, Pigul and Notad, and because of meeting on Yom Kippur. And maybe eating other things is okay because we're making a comparison. We only prohibit things that because of suffering, it's also prohibited elsewhere. I might think only that category, and maybe not tebel, which is not karet. Tebel uh, was produced. I didn't take to the mama. I said that's why it says another time. Remember, I said it says five or even six times. So now this is uh, we're using another one. Now abi tebel shubemita lo bita nebela shena bemita don't want to anu benitem lafshotechem riba. Maybe I think tebel because that is nevertheless chayav mita, and maybe it would be okay to eat nebela. Even in Nebela, an animal that died on uh, uh, that died on its own would be okay to eat on Yom Kippur. That's why now we're using a third Ta'anuv anytime. Uh, fine, now we're going down the line. Fine, I would know that Nebela is not allowed. Maybe Chulin, which is regular food, which is, there's no prohibition at all. Maybe that would be okay uh, to eat. We're gonna include that too. The truth is now we're even including things that don't even have a prohibition. But we're using the extra words to include them also. In other words, eating in general, right? We can encompass the whole category of eating. Okay, now we're going to go the other way from negative to positive. We talked about things that you're not allowed to eat. Now we're going to go even things that there is a mitzvah to eat. You're still not allowed to eat them on Yom Kippur. And nevertheless, um, uh, nevertheless, even though it's a mitzvah, I might think I can eat it in Yom Kippur. Now we have another time to anu to say no. Now tirumah, I can. I don't have to eat it today. I can eat it tomorrow. I can eat it any time. So maybe that is not allowed. But kodashim, which I have to eat today, I might think maybe because kodashim I have to eat today. I can't leave it to tomorrow. May, I would think maybe I have to eat that. I'm allowed to eat that Yom Kippur. We add that also, and so that's the uh, that's the derivation here. Um, that's something as prohibited in other contexts. Okay, that's the second. Uh, two more. Or if you want, I can give a third answer. Why? How come these five and not uh, other things? Because the Pasuk regarding Yom Kippur not only says karet, has another language, vabadati, I will destroy. What do you mean destroy? So it has to be a type of suffering that would destroy a person's life. What is that? Eating and drinking. If someone doesn't eat and, or drink long enough, they will die. So it has to be something like that and not simply uh, you know, sitting in the cold, which is not life-threatening. But now we ask, why do you need this third answer? What was wrong with the second answer? Because you might think maybe he's talking about adayot. Um, that adayot is also something that is prohibited in other contexts. So you could say that is prohibited on Yom Kippur also. 
And so then that would be, instead of eating and drinking, maybe it's talking about Tashmish Amita. That would also apply. So therefore, we need this third answer, something that um, if you don't do it, if you don't eat and drink, that would be life-threatening. Uh, that's the third answer. And now, finally, the last one. If we actually op just open up a concordance and look at all the places where the word Inui says, it says uh, in Devadim, regarding the traveling in the desert and eating the man. It says, Hashem made B'nai Sel suffer and made them hungry and gave them the man, right? Which they had never seen before, the strange food. And so there is that the point is that they were hungry. They didn't have all the things they wanted to eat. They wanted the, the fish and the watermelon and cucumbers. Um, they didn't have that. So we learned from that that Ainui, in the time of Noshaftachem, on Yom Kippur is also talking about not eating food. Okay, that's actually pretty good proof. It's, you know, just looking up the words. Now, question. Once you're using the concordance, the word Ainu comes up another time. And this is when Yaakov takes his wives and leaves Lavan, and then Lavan catches up to him. And uh, they, they make an agreement, they make a swear, they make a, a, a contract with each other, um, and he lets them go. And Lavan says, listen, I want you to swear, if you treat my daughters ill or take another take other wives, in other words, here is talk, he's saying that um, I don't want you taking other wives and then neglecting my daughters. So here we see that te'aneh is, um, is a way, is talking about marital relations. Um, in this case, uh, ignoring his his his, his wives. Um, so since this is Ainui, maybe we think that it would mean the same thing on Yom Kippur that it's related to Tashmish Amita. So we say no. Danin Ainui Dirabim, Ainui Dirabim, and Danin Ainui Dirabim, Me Ainui Deyachid. Now we're going to learn the context of plural from plural. The one in Benesa in the desert that was talking about the whole the whole uh, uh, nation. Right, they were all. And so we're going to talk about Yom Kippur, which also, also applies to the whole nation. And we're not going to learn it from this story, which where it only applied to an individual. So the uh, the one that has to do with food is the one that's more similar. Good. Then they left me. I know the Misraim. Why not learn it from another place, which is in Egypt? It also said, et onyenu. God saw our suffering. I knew it. Amrina. Now, what does this mean? This is from the Haggadah. Pesach, And this means that. They abstain from marital relations. And so here, another source, similar to this one, maybe it means also on Yom Kippur, it's talking about Tashmish Amitad. That's what we learned is not allowed. That would be the main Deodaita one that would be punishable and not eating and drinking. No. But this one was done by people. The Egyptians imposed on B'nai Israel that they could not be with their wives. So that is different. We want to learn something that Hashem does. And so just like the man and the desert, that was Bidesh Shamayim. And Yom Kippur is also a law, Bidesh Shamayim. Those are more similar. So that's why we want to learn those that are more similar to each other. And so that it gives us four different answers why we learn eating and drinking specifically. And then, you know, the other four and not other things. Like uh, like sitting in the sun or whatever, we learned that we, we know that's not true from four different ways. Number one has to be passive, like malacha, or has to be prohibited in other contexts, um, which eating uh, eating is also prohibited, or something that your life depends on. Or we learned it from the man, and all that was has to do with food. 
And then just one more minute, we have a last agada regarding the man. Um, the question is, what was so suffering about the man, right? They had food every day, food fell from heaven. Wouldn't that be a great thing? You know, you get food delivery, uh, free food every day. So why was that called, uh, why was that called suffering? So it's two opinions. First opinion is someone who has food in his bread in his basket is not the same one who has no bread in his basket. And those well, people want to know that they have some food in, in, in the closet. Um, whereas the man, it was from day to day. They never knew for sure. Are we going to have food tomorrow? Is it going to stop today? Are we going to have food tomorrow? And so psychologically, yes, the food was fine and they got it every day. But psychologically, it was torture, never knowing where their next meal is coming from. And the other opinion is that although the man was fine and it gave them nutrition, it didn't look like anything, right? So, uh, so if you can't see your food, I don't know if you ever went to the blind museum and tried to eat there, you can't see your food, you can't enjoy it as well. So yeah, maybe the man is delicious, but it doesn't look like steak, right? It doesn't look like uh, uh, sweet potatoes. And so because the, uh, the, the look is not there, so that was the torture that although they, they ate uh, nutritious food, um, they weren't able to, to see the shape that it would look like, that it would be um, of what it tasted like. Um, good. From here we can learn that blind people, um, they eat, but they're never satisfied because they can't see their food. All right, well, I only tried eating in the, in the dark once in that blind museum. Uh, it was very different, but I'm not sure if people are used to it, if that's true also. Therefore, when you eat, you're gonna have a nice meal, you should eat it during the day. There's also, by the way, why we should light Shabbat candles, so that we have a nice meal and we have light, right? It's no fun to eat it in the dark, it's not enjoyable. Nafesh, better seeing with the eyes than wanderings of desire, or maybe here means even going yourself. In other words, seeing is the best part of, uh, of an enjoyment, even more than the than what it does to one, oneself. And we learned from the same pasuk, a similar idea that um, better is uh, the sight of a woman even than the actual act of relations with her. Uh, so because the same pasuk, um, seeing is better. Um, this fits with what we said a while ago. Remember if, when we talked about the, uh, the rabbis who go and get a wife for a day, um, and we said there because the thought is worse than the act, right? And so this would make sense here also uh, regarding a meal that it's the seeing, right? So they bring to the presentation. I think we would say nowadays, right? The presentation is, uh, is at least half the points of being good chef and even the actual taste and nutritious, nutritious, nutritious value. Thank you, everybody.